the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 447 for Sunday, April 28th, 2013. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and yes, cool stuff found. And today, that's what we're going to be focusing on is cool stuff found. We know they're expensive for you to listen to, but we do try. And I believe today have succeeded to put in quite a few free things into uh, cool stuff found to keep things balanced here in Durham, New Hampshire, sunny Durham, New Hampshire, warmer here today than it was for me yesterday in San Diego. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in almost spring-like Fairfield, Connecticut, it almost hit 60 today. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think it's 58 out. Oh, wow. It's, yeah, it I was... see people uh, strutting about in their shorts, short sleeves and short, uh, short, uh, short shorts and uh, summer wear. I think they're trying to force it or trying to prod the weather to go in the right direction. Right. It was 70 here there. today. Yeah, it's still yeah. getting close to freezing at night. It's still, I don't huh. know. I uh, uh, colder spring than I, I recall Yeah, in recent memory. But anyways, yes, in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. How you doing, John F. Braun? Fantastic. Good. Yeah, we were in uh, San Diego all week. Really, I'd never been there before. Actually, none of us in the family had ever been there. So we, we spent a week hanging out. And uh, that's beautiful there. It was great. We had a... Well, I think some notable uh, Mac uh, geek friends uh, live in that area. Quite a few. We got together with uh, with Adam Christensen, of course, uh, from the Mac cast and his kids and his mom. Actually, uh, we went to the San Diego Zoo Safari Park on Tuesday, I guess, together. That was fun. It was a good day. So why San Diego? Hmm. Um, well, yeah, it, it, uh, because we like city vacations. We've done quite a few of them. We've done Washington, D.C. a couple of times, San Francisco, Austin, and and now San Diego. And we have found them to be fun. We rent an apartment. You know, we use HomeAway or Airbnb and, and we rent an apartment and just hang out. And of course, San Diego's got great stuff to do. I mean, we did the, the safari park, but we also did the zoo. We did the Midway. We rented segways and rode up and down on Pacific beach one day. We just, we just hung out. We, it was great. It was, uh, it's, it's one of our favorite vacations to do as a family. So, huh. uh, and we'd all we'll have to try it. Yeah. We'd all always wanted to check out San Diego. It's a Like I said, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's, you know, the weather's killer. So, and, and very beautiful. So, huh. but we have a cool stuff found show to do, John. So shall we get to it here? <laughs> Am I uh, In intentional or not? Because you and I were, were tossing this around. Yeah. Yeah. But we, it's like, do we have enough? And then <laughs> both. Well, yeah. Well, you got the grab bag there, but also I think just because we mentioned it, the listeners came to the rescue. Yes. And, uh, submitted many, probably many, doubled many what entries. we had. Yeah. That's right. All right. Let's see what we can do here. So uh, starting with Ken, Ken says, uh, hi, John and Dave. Why is it never Dave and John? That's not your question. He says, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I use file shoot from yellow mug software for making simpler the process of sharing files too large to attach to an email. I know you can do this with Dropbox by finding the right Dropbox folder, copying the files there, then right clicking to copy the URL. But frankly, I often forget which folder is the right one, and it takes a bunch of manipulation in the finder before I'm done. File shoot simplifies the process of sending one or more files which are zipped up into a single archive to Dropbox or any other web dab server. 
uh, and supplies a clickable URL that you can then paste into an email message so that all the recipient has to do is click on it and it initiates a download. Uh, simple as open file shoot, drag and drop files to be zipped uh, onto the file shoot icon in the dock and copy the URL from file shoot. Voila. Ah, thanks, Ken. That sounds uh, that sounds as easy as it should be. And that's what we like. That's how we roll. And that's a good thing. And, and as we often do, I'm going to throw in a couple of comments here, Dave. So number yeah, one, go. drop Dropbox was mentioned. And I, I will offer uh, maybe not a fish shake, but a warning. So, uh, as you know, I recently rebuilt my portable, and one thing I was missing, Dave, unfortunately, was iLife 11. Uh-huh. Was 10 or iLife 11. I bought it. I had my receipt, which I stored in email. I have a receipts folder, like a lot of you probably do. And I found the purchase, but I couldn't find the media. And Apple did not offer me a way to download it through the App Store, which kind of disappoints me because they should know that I bought it. Right? Right. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. So, so a friend, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, I said, "Does anybody out there have the disk image?" And it's sizable. It's you know three or four gigs. And I'm like, you know, could you you know make a ISO or CDR or whatever, and and let me Dropbox it. And apparent, and what happened? So number one, what was frustrating? I don't know if it was Opt Online or Dropbox. I I, I don't have enough information on who to blame, but the <laughs> okay. download would, would. But no, so seriously, the download would terminate before the file was completely downloaded. It would just say, yep, okay, well, here's the file. It's one point whatever gigs. And I'm like, well, but that's not how big it is. So I don't know if Dropbox failed or my ISP failed. Right. I suspect Dropbox, because it was offered to me as a link to a public Dropbox folder for a person that had that much storage. And then what happened is this, per- now eventually it worked. So again, I don't know if it was the ISP or Dropbox issue, but then the person who made it available to me said, oh, look, I got an email saying, hey, you know what? Because of all the activity on your public link, and I assume it was a free account, we're going to shut off your ability to share public links for a while. So just a warning to people. Now, I'm kind of upset about this because I think it was a Dropbox issue and that their connection kept dropping and I had to keep re-downloading this. If I had just done it in one fell swoop, I don't think this person would have gotten a a, temporary disabling. So well, once again, I will, I, I had a file, a large file, in fact, a movie file that was over, uh, it was a couple of gigs to share with someone today. Yeah. And I was going to put it on sugar sink and then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute, that's sitting on my disc station. Um, and, and I thought, I think there's a way and I dug and I could from the web interface on my, on my disc station, I was able to copy a link that was it like, it was a weird domain. It was like go file dot me or something. And I sent this link. I mean, I tested it before I sent it to him, but I sent this link to a friend of mine and it gave him a U- direct URL to download this file from my disk station. But the URL was only valid for one week and I could have set it to be an hour or a day or whatever. And uh, and it was the coolest so thing. Have the, did it have the IP of your disk station it, or, it, or like a dynamic it, DNS link or, or sort what do you mean of, by direct sort okay, of I find yeah, this kind of cool yeah you're right you go if you go to this this URL which was the, it was like I said it was like go I think it was go file dot me and then it was slash and and had some hash after it and uh and if you go there it would bring you to a web page that then redirected to let you download this file but the file came directly from me and so it must have had some sort of dynamic DNS thing happening in the background there that, you know, that said, okay, now go and go to this server on this port and, and slurp this down. So that was, it was pretty cool. I, you know, made it really easy. Cause I didn't have to upload it to, 
to sugar sink first and wait for that to finish and then give him a link and you know, blah, blah, blah. He just slurped it right from me, but without me having to go through all the pains of, you know, setting up an AFP server and pointing the port and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, it's pretty right. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I'd mention it because, well, it just kind of sucked. <laughs> that does. <laughs> that yeah. My repeated download attempts temporarily uh, disabled a portion of this person's Dropbox. Right. All right. But with that being said, I think I should go to Peter, Dave. What I think it's think? you. Yeah. And, and it is me. <laughs> so Peter writes, hey, John and Dave. And a shout out to Pilot Pete. I was looking for a breadcrumb tracking iOS app for a client and ran across TrendMe. It may or may not help my client, but working as a consultant, it rocks. It tracks where I am and for how long. Plus, it shows my slug trail, whatever that means, on a map complete with push bins of where I lingered. Uh, noting uh, too much time was spent at Starbucks. For billing, I now just look at the timeline stored together with a map location, and it tells me how long I spent with each client, and I can easily label each location. And the next time I visit the location, the label is automatically added to the new timeline. All this without excessive battery drain. Love it. From Peter. Huh. Well, that's cool. I like that because, you know, a lot of times, Dave, when I have to do time entry, like I have to for the day job. Yeah. Uh, indicating what projects I worked on and stuff like that. I typically refer to my calendar, which shows me uh, if I booked something, you know, I'll have a meeting about this and all that. Uh is certainly good, but but this I can totally see, especially if you're booging around wherever and want to know where you were, when you were. I mean, you could backtrack and say, okay, well, if I was here, then that was that client. So, so that's a really neat application. My response to him was, thanks. It sounds good if you're in a Big Brother because obviously somebody's watching you. Sure, <laughs> GPS. Uh, but but I'll assume that the data is stored securely and all that great stuff. But uh, you know, it's just a, and it just makes you reflect on all of the cool things you can do with um, with a smartphone that has GPS and this and that. And actually, so I use something similar, Dave, uh, Strava. I may have told you about this yep. uh, once. I'll tell you again. It's, it's a similar app, but it's meant for people that want to track their biking and running. And they have two separate applications, S-T-R-A-V-A, I believe. Yep. And I actually use it to uh, map uh, walks I take to just see where I went. And, and it tells you calories and all that great stuff. Um, and it's very similar in that respect. You had hit me to Strava in a cool stuff found show, I think a year or two ago. And, uh, and it hit me halfway for biking for biking. Right. And for halfway through our Segway ride on Pacific beach on whatever day it was, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I was like, I wonder, you know, how far we're going and, and all of that. And I'm like, I'll, I'm going to use Strava. And so I turned it on and I, I mean, I, you know, it was in bike ride mode and like, that's fine, whatever. And, uh, and then I realized, you know, so the second half of our ride was 3.3 miles and I saw where we went and I've got it on a little map and you know, it just, but it works. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it, like you said, it's cool what you can do with, with, uh, with the technology that many of us now carry in our pockets. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, speaking of technology in our pockets, uh, while we're on iOS apps, I have, well, actually, you know what? It's not an app. It is a web page, which then turns itself into a web app. But it is so good that I forget and you, too, will forget that it is not an actual app from the app store. So this is something that you would install on your on your iPhone or your iPod touch. And I suppose you could do it on your iPad, but I don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is built for that. I, I will check while we're doing this. Go to forecast.io. 
and uh, and it is one of, if not my favorite uh, weather app these days. And uh, and when you go there, it says at the bottom of the screen, uh, um, you know, tap here to save as a as a web app. And then it just appears in, you know, as an app on your on your iPhone and you tap it and it launches in its own little deal. And uh, and you can do it on your iPad, but it doesn't do the same web app thing, or at least it doesn't appear to. But I'm going to try it anyway. Um, you just say add to home screen and it's called forecast and then you hit add. And uh, yeah, it does work. It works the same on the iPad. Yep. So uh, it is uh, it's a very, very cool weather app. Very uh, simple, uh, but yet beautiful and uh, and quite elegant. So I highly recommend it. Forecast.io. So that's uh, that's it's it's my new favorite weather app. Very easy to use. Let you have multiple cities. Um, I, it's just, you know, that's it. It's good stuff. I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, as far as weather, Dave, yeah. I don't know if you check this out, but I'm going to toss this in too. Yeah. I hate to slow us down by <laughs> interjecting, okay. but no, but this is a free one. Um, apparently recently, or at least as far as I can tell, Yahoo released a new weather app for yes. iOS. Yes. And it's, it's pretty. I got to say the UI is just, you know, there's sometimes when you start using something and you're like, oh my gosh, somebody actually gets how to develop a UI. And it was like, I didn't have to read any instructions, but when I did a swipe in one direction, it did what I expected. If I saw some information and I swiped right or left, it would do what I thought. I just think they really put it together well. The the, the cool feature is that if it's able to, and it's been hiccuping, hiccuping as of late because I just get a generic icon, it'll show you a picture from the region that it detects you're in or you've programmed into it, but it shows you everything. The forecast, wind speed, uh, uh, sunrise, sunset. It's really well done. I'm not sure what they're getting out of this. <laughs> I, I don't even think I saw any ads, but uh, it's yeah, um, we'll link to that. Yeah, I, I, um, I, my family loves it. They, they they were using it all week. In fact, there was one point where we were we were walking. It has these beautiful pictures as the backgrounds uh, and the pictures are of whatever, you know, city you've chosen to see the weather in. And we were walking down the street in beautiful San Diego and my family, all three of them are looking at their iDevice saying, wow, look at this great picture of San Diego in the in the Yahoo weather app. It's like, can you just like put that thing in your pocket and look around? Because that picture might have been taken like right over there. But yeah, but yeah, it is. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, from the chat room. And I will say hello to everyone in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. We have uh, Mark Shepard saying to check out everytimezone.com. And I'm looking at it on my Mac. I don't know how it looks on iOS, but it looks great on my Mac. It shows you your local time and uh, and then shows you all these like in a scrolling sort of sideways view. Uh, it shows you where at what time it is everywhere else and where in the day it is and what day it is. Because some, you know, like I'm looking in Mumbai, it's now tomorrow. Uh, as it is in, in Tokyo and Sydney and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so that's every time zone.com, which is cool. I love this stuff. And of course this means this show will go on for, uh, you know, for forever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, because we're only technically by the agenda, we're only three of, you know, what 30 in or something. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it is at this point in time, John, that I want to mention uh, our first sponsor for the show, and that is Squarespace. 
Squarespace, you're going to visit them at squarespace.com slash MGG. And, uh, and that gets you a little something, which I'll tell you about. And, and also tells them that you came from us, which we appreciate. But uh, Squarespace is a, uh, it, it is, it's too simple to just call them an online web host because there's so much more than that. They are, uh, they, they have a whole web site building engine uh, right there online. In fact, it's the first thing you do. You click get started. And the first thing you do is grab a template and start building your website. And they've got these beautiful templates. One of my favorite ones is one that this new one that they have called Adirondack and, uh, and it's just gorgeous uh, the way this, this template works. And of course it's, not just gorgeous on your Mac or on a desktop browser, but they also have a mobile view and you can see the mobile view as you're choosing your templates. And then once you pick the template, um, you can uh, you can then you start adding data in. And of course, at this point, you still haven't even signed up uh, for a paying account. You just you're just going and playing and you can drag pictures in. They've got all kinds of good stuff. And I spent some time on the phone with them and, and that's where I learned out about this Adirondack theme. They spend like three months developing each one of these themes and they bring in uh, developers and artists and, and get, you know, artwork together, but also, you know, all the design and the CSS and they test and test and test like crazy. So when you pick one of these templates that's there, you're getting something that is built by a world-class web developer. And, uh, and the nice part is you have tons and tons of options to pick from. And when you pick it, it uh, it's done. You don't have to wait for them to design it. But this one's cool because as you scroll down it, it sort of rolls up like the, the the header rolls up into the top and you get more of the screen space for for uh, for what you want to see. Very, very cool stuff. Um, they they have an e-commerce engine in there if you want to sell things. But it's just really simple to get a website going. If you have a WordPress blog that you've sort of hosted on your own or hosted somewhere, you can actually import all your WordPress posts right into your Squarespace page. So you just, you're not starting from scratch, but you do get the benefit of pulling in all of your data into this new template that you like. And, and this whole system, that's just so easy to work with. Um, and you get 10% off if you use a special code and that code is M G G and the number four, uh, because we are in the fourth month of the year, April. So M G G four and, uh, and I highly recommend you check them out. They're great folks over there. They know what they're doing and, uh, and they will take care of you. So, uh, so check them out. Squarespace.com slash MGG with the coupon code of MGG four. And, uh, and that'll get you going. John, you want to, uh, you want to take us to Greg now? I do want to take you to Greg. All right. I think we'll Greg's go. just a great guy. I think so. He is actually Greg. Greg is responsible for he could like fill up a cool stuff found show with just his submissions here. Um, and and some days we do. But uh, so go. Greg says, hi, John and Dave. I've been using camera plus on my iPhone five because I really like that it can do the exposure and focus in different areas. The problem is sometimes I can't seem to find a spot in the image to put the exposure so it goes darker. I wish I had more control with that app. Then comes KitCam. It really has many features, like the ability to shoot a raw TIFF file and export it that way. The file is around 22 megabytes. You can also pick the focus and exposure and lock them so you can recompose the shot. Just move fingers apart and tap on the screen to, to get both controls and tap on them again to lock. 
The really cool thing is that there is a slider for white balance and exposure, so in case you need to do it manually, which I find many times I do. It also does video, has a timer, night shot mode for slow shutter, multiple exposures, and time lapse. There are also film effects and lend effects. KitCam by Ghostbird Software. Did I paste that in our room here? Oh, there it is. And someone will put that in our our, our chat room, folks. Help us out by by actually building our, our show notes with us, too, which is super helpful, especially in a show like this. Mm. And, uh, so that baby is 99 cents. And it sounds to me like the, the number of things you can do uh, sounds to me like it's worth it. Um, I responded to him, though, um, with a couple that I like, Dave. So, again, I'm going <laughs> to help people. Well, in this case, not spend their money. So the first app that I use, Dave, which I find uh, for what you're paying for it, very good on iOS, is Adobe Photoshop Express. Yes, they make a free version of Photoshop. So... I put yeah. that in our chat room. And that does a lot of basic things, cropping. It can do exposure, a very basic editing tasks. But I find sometimes uh, that's all I need to do. And then the other one that I got, um, which I like, and this does some more uh, sophisticated um, editing. And oh my gosh, look. Oh, they made it free. Snapseed by yes. Nick Software. Uh, that's another one that can do some very... Uh, I'd say very sophisticated uh, given that you're working on an iOS device and not a real computer, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think Nick's software was just, just purchased by Google, right? Uh, oh gosh. Last year. Oh, there we go. Yeah. When are they going to shut them down? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, but anyway, yeah. so, uh, yeah. And I say Snapseed right now, which uh, looks to be free, um, offers a, a more editing options than, than the Adobe package. But between the two of them, I find that that pretty much meets my uh, instant photo editing needs when I'm taking pictures with my uh, iPhone. So. Cool. Cool. Uh, all right. While we were while we are on the subject of pictures, let's stay on the subject of pictures and specifically iOS pictures. And uh, Lauren writes, uh, she says. Uh, let me find her tip. One quick tip. Did you know that you can insert a picture or video into an email on your iPhone or iPad just by clicking and holding to bring up the copy paste menu and then scroll over to the right with the little right arrow that appears. And there is insert photo or video really, really handy thing to do, especially if you're in the middle of typing an email and you don't want to quit out or, you know, tap out and find the picture and copy it and, and insert it. You can do it right there from the copy paste dialogue, uh, which is really like super handy. It's one of those things I'd actually I, I think I had stumbled onto it about a day before I saw Lauren's email. But um, but it's so fantastic that, you know, it's just one of those things that makes sense. So um, so a tip for you there. Very, very handy to uh, to be able to do that. Uh, you want to go back to Greg, John, while we're and stay on photos for a little bit. We're going back to Greg. Greg is a photo monster. He is. That's right. <laughs> and, that, and he does a lot of photography and photo editing here, which you always got to edit. Well, maybe not always. <laughs> but anyways, hi, John. Well, you know, and, and this has been a, a part of discussions I've had with various people, Dave, here is that. You know, so you take a picture, you do the best you can with the understanding you have of the camera, and then you, you do some post-processing. Is post-processing cheating? That are, you, are you 
No. Now introducing and, and yeah, and you know, I've 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 wavered here and there because I think some processing uh gets to the point where it makes it cartoon like and and it's not really what you saw, but then you're you but then you you maybe you consider that artistic expression. That's right. What yeah. what choices you want to make in the digital realm to enhance your photos. So that's okay. right. No, we're good with that. But anyways, so uh, hi, John and Dave. This app is really a one-stop shop. I was able to remove a background and put another photo in there. I could do masking and invert masks, add filters and special effects. They even have tutorials within the app. Just click on the hat icon. Okay, got to like that. I know I can do this in Photoshop, but it's fun and convenient to do it on the iPhone. I think they have an HD one for the iPad as well. And the package is Photo Wizard. Photo editor by can't pronounce that. So, <laughs> uh, Pen Penkaj Goswami. Go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll paste that as well. So another photo de- photo editing app. Cool stuff. That's what There's we're here no for. Room. Yeah. No, it's good. This is fun. Yeah, because I find you know I got to say I, I I say my camera of choice though I carry both I carry the Lumix and the iPhone but the iPhone is the quick and dirty, oh, I got this with me now. And I almost always have the iPhone with me. So, um, but the thing is, I mean, it's, it's you know, in the, the grand scheme of things, it's not a really great camera. No, <laughs> so it's not. Uh, and in the right conditions, it's excellent, you know, with the nice lighting and all that. And if it's the right, you know, the depth, of, or, or I'm sorry, the, the, the thing that you want to take a picture of it, if it's of the size of what the iPhone can see at the moment, then it's cool. Or if you can crop it. But otherwise, that, that's the biggest challenge I've had is no zoom. And I hear there are developments on the horizon just in the general smartphone field is yeah. how do you give, uh, you know, something with limited real estate like an iPhone? How do you give it a lens and an imaging component that can do decent optical zoom? Because to me, then it would be the perfect camera. And I know people are working on this fervently. Of, of course uh, they are. Look forward to it. Because to me, that's the only downside of any phone camera is that what you see is what you see and you really can't change it other than using digital zoom which sucks so right so um i had i had gotten uh one of these things called an olo clip o-l-l-o-c-l-i-p uh too yeah and i gotten one for the iphone 5 but you know i i like to keep my iphone uh not in a case which is good for the olo clip except that starting i guess in january when these things started to become like semi-popular i um I, I started putting a glass shield on the front of my phone instead of a uh, instead of a plastic shield. Uh, I've got these glass ones and they, they a lot of people, do, you know, different people make them. Uh, I prefer the one from Clear Protector, the Nitro Shield. Uh, I've tried a couple. In fact, I've tried that one and I've tried the, the one from Radio Shack and I can't remember the name of what they call it off the top. Point Mobile. Uh, but the point mobile ones on every phone that I've put them on have had a little bubble in the middle, an air bubble that I'm constantly fighting with. Whereas this clear protector one, the nitro, uh, has never had a bubble. So I go with the clear protector and, uh, and I'm not sure why that is, but maybe I, I will ask them. But anyway, that means I can't put the Olo clip on my iPhone cause it's just, you know, the glass adds just enough thickness that it, it doesn't fit. My son saw this and he's got an iPod touch fifth generation as we've talked about. And he's gone mm. through his trials and tribulations with, uh, but he's got it in a case and his case isn't all that thick, but it was the perfect thickness to make it so that the Olo clip for the iPhone five fit brilliantly on his iPod touch. So he was using this all week 
uh, in San Diego, you know, on and off. And it's cool because it's got, you know, the Olo clip adds uh, three different lenses. It's got a, uh, a fisheye. It's got a wide angle and then it's got a macro lens all kind of uh, interchangeably built. If you know, if you know the secret that you taught me, that's right. <laughs> you, you see when I discussed that and the thing is one of the lenses in the case, actually, if, if you screw it in, I think directly, right. gives you macro capability and it's not entirely clear, but to me, actually out of the three, Dave, I would say the macro capability is probably the most useful, at least totally. for what I do. Yep. Though I like the wide angle is, I don't know, fisheye to me that that's getting back to my thing about you know, <laughs> things looking cartoonish. Sure. Is fisheye photos rarely excite me, but wide angle. OK, that I get. Yeah. If, if you, you know, you're like at the Grand Canyon or, you know, a mountain or something, then you want the wide angle to capture as much as possible. So I can see that or the macro for, you know, bugs and flowers and, yeah. and all that cool stuff. So uh, no, but he took nice. some he took some great macro pictures all week with uh with that thing including some of his eye which was really i mean it was just really cool stuff so yeah that camera is pretty it's good but like you said you've got to you know feed it the right information to make it really good so all right uh jumping to i guess we'll stay on photos here for a little bit because that's how i built the agenda so uh peter writes and this is a this is one of these interesting things uh, Peter has been looking for, he says uh, he's been searching for this Holy grail. And we've actually had a, 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 an email exchange going on for quite some time, perhaps close to a year. And, uh, he says, my Holy grail is to be able to access my photos remotely and to remotely search and find files based on IPTC keyword metadata without using someone else's cloud storage. Uh, so he says, I took the plunge and went for a Synology disk station last year. It was so close to perfect, but I couldn't pull up a live list of pictures based on a keyword search. Definitely a great gadget for me to explore, but I wasn't quite there. He says, so I have found two different solutions. Number one is a piece of software uh, from Weebly.com called Image Bank Server. Uh, he says, it's a really handy iOS app that talks with a related server that runs on your Mac. This lets you view your entire photo library remotely. It's simple, it's fast, and the developer is really moving this one forward. He says, I would vote for this one to be in the cool stuff found category. Uh, so that's number one. He says, however, I'm a geek. So I found something else called Gallery uh, at galleryproject.org. He says, I ended up building my own self-hosted web server running Gallery version 3. There's an iOS theme for Gallery. So although it takes several weekends of geekery to set up, it delivered exactly what I needed. And uh, and we actually have used gallery and still use gallery to host uh, photo libraries at TMO. We've been using it since gallery. Oh, version gosh. One. Yeah. It's been around. Dude, a long gallery time. is king, especially. Yeah. Well, as long as people develop and, and you, you and I have all been through this, but um, both. Uh, uh, there are people that will write plugins for both iPhoto and Aperture that will let you publish to a gallery directory. Oh, right. A That's right. And oh my gosh, just, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, you're right. I'm, I'm going into the past because I remember fondly Dave and I handcrafting when we were at early Macworld shows, HTML. So I would take the pictures and then Dave and I would sit down and craft the HTML oh. <laughs> to post the photos to 
the Mac Observer site. I remember, for, yeah, for, for the for for the people that wanted to see photos of the show, and and you know the photos of the show were always a, a big draw. But how do you put them together nicely? That's and right. one is you could waste away hours crafting HTML, or you could use something like Gallery. So Gallery, I can't. I, I have just so many great things to say about it. It was, it was a, a life awesome, changer. Yeah. Although it I was have, because I made it where I basically put an album. So, so it changed my workflow to pull my photos in Aperture. I photo. caption them. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Caption them and then say, OK, send to Mac Observer. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> the but, gallery's there. It builds the thumbnails and, and, and then does everything. So you can see the photos um, go. But no, you're right. I, they, I had I had forgotten. I mean, it was a pain in the neck at, a to, at the time to go through all the, you know, the machinations of building these pages. But it, it was, you know, it's it's good team. You know, it's a good team effort. We, we for a while we used now we used graphic converter because it would build a rudimentary HTML table with thumbnails yes, of your it did pictures. a basic album. And I think we pasted that. We, so that yeah, was like we, step one. Right. And that was good. Oh, yeah. That saved a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. But then gallery right. makes it. Again, directly from your photo management package, whether it be iPhoto or uh, Aperture, I'm sure they offer plugins for other platforms. And you just say, "Okay, publish this album. Okay, done. Yeah. Now, remember, we had to go through, especially the upgrade. Adam and you and I had to, you know, scratch our heads a bit because there were some uh, hiccups when when they always the uh, platform. Always. That's just you know that's how it goes. It's I mean it's we love that part of it, don't we? Aren't we supposed to? That's what we do. Our second sponsor for this show is connected data at, at tra- with, with the transporter device. And this is at file transporter dot com slash MGG. Uh, again, that lets uh, that gets you something that I'll tell you a little bit about, uh, but also lets them know that you came from us. And that's good. Uh, the transporter is. Perhaps for me, it is the simplest way to get. What uh, what is becoming known as or what has become known as personal cloud. So we talk about Dropbox. We talk about SugarSync. We talk about even the Synology thing, right? Ways of getting your data synced amongst all of your computers and available, uh, for, you know, remotely from wherever you are and wherever the people that you want to get your data are. Uh, but, you know, Dropbox, the data is hosted at Dropbox. Uh, Synology, uh, SugarSync, the data is hosted at SugarSync and Synology. It's awesome, but uh, but you got to set up your own stuff with the transporter. You buy the transporter, and it, it's I mean for what you're getting here, it is cheap. It's 199 bucks, but I've got a deal for you. But the the retail price is 199 bucks, uh, and uh, that's empty. And for uh, an extra hundred bucks, you've got a one terabyte drive in it, and for another hundred bucks, you've got a two terabyte drive in it. So two ninety nine with a one terabyte, three ninety nine with a two terabyte, and uh, and the coupon code MGG gets you ten percent off. But once you've got this thing, you install some software on your Mac, you install some software on your iPhone, your friend installs software on their Mac or iPhone, and now you can get at your data. But it's your data all of the time. It's stored on the transporter. It's a device that plugs into your network. Uh, you can do it Wi Fi, but there's no reason to. You just plug it in. Uh, uh, via Ethernet into your router and you've got a great connection. And now whether you're local on your network or halfway across the world, you can access your data and sync it amongst your devices. It's a lot like drop the way Dropbox works to help explain it. You uh, put data into a folder. It magically syncs up to the transporter 
And then any other uh, computers that you have that are synced to that same transporter, just magically get the data and you can even sync uh, other people. So like John can sync to my transporter or if John has his own transporter, this is where it gets really cool. Our transporters sync to each other so that when John goes to sync his computer, when John turns on his computer, it gets he gets to sync locally, which is way faster than syncing, of course, across uh, the Internet. So the transporters keep in sync and you can do this. Uh, you can do this with two. Uh, you can do this. I didn't mute my phone before the show, John. Uh, you can do this with with, uh, you know, with with two people that are operating separately like John and I are. Or if you have multiple office locations, you can sync uh, your offices all together and yet still have local copies of all the data. This is what the transporter does. This is what it's good at. Uh, and like I said, it is a seamless solution. So easy. You just turn it on and go plug it in and off it goes. Uh, 10% off. So that means a naked transporter. You save 20 bucks. Uh, a transporter with one terabyte. You save 30 bucks. A transporter with two terabytes. You save 40 bucks. It doesn't get much cheaper than that. So check it out. FileTransporter.com slash MGG and make sure you use the coupon code MGG. And uh, and you will be off and running with uh, with your own transporter there. And it's good stuff. John and I've been using it for a while. In fact, it has become part of our Mac Geekab workflow. And I yeah. think that was I think that was by design. I think they they intentionally made sure we got we both got these, John, so that we would mm-hmm. wind up using it and relying on it. And of course, logging oh, yeah. it. So yeah, and to me, yeah, move. I mean, yeah, it appears in my favorites, just like anything else, I have a connected data folder. Yep. And actually, if uh, if you'd like to, you can also share it with uh, uh, NetBIOS and, and it shows up in my shared as well. But it's like, yeah, anything I copy to either of those folders just magically syncs. Cool. All right. And uh, all right. So uh, that's filetransporter.com slash MGG. And that will redirect you just to file transporter. But it does let them know that uh, that you got it from from us. And that's answering a question in the chat room asking why it does this. So that's why it does that. Filetransporter.com slash MGG. John, you want to tell us about uh, Andreas's cool stuff tip Un- found? Andreas, I think so. Good. I have it in front of me, believe it or not. So actually, this is a cool one, Dave, because there's a geeky aspect to it in that this is something that is hidden. But you can find it because it was not enabled on my machine. What is it you say? John, just talk. So... <laughs> Hi, John and Dave. Huge fan here. I just you're, love you're your podcast. You're self-policing. This is awesome. That's great. <laughs> Huge fan. I love your podcast, The Pieces, which I think is good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Came across an Apple service on my MacBook Pro 2011, 10.8.3, that I have never seen before, called Summarize or Summary Service. It is available when you control clicked on some text. I'm not sure it was there originally. I think I went in through the app services manager and found it by accident. Services manager is, by the way, really cool stuff. It is cool stuff. talk about this in a moment. Yeah. I'm still not completely sure what it is for, how well it does what it does, but it is an interesting little find that I have never heard of or seen before. And I thought I would share it with you guys. So what does it do? So in a nutshell... This is a service that is available via the services menu, which you can find in the Finder or many other apps. If you right-click on something, you'll see the services menu. But this led me to look, how do you find this? And so I responded to him as follows. I said, this was not enabled on my current setup, but your question prompted me to find out how to do so. Thank you. 
here's what you want to do. You want to go to system preferences, hardware, keyboard, keyboard shortcuts, services, text, summarize. There's a little checkbox. <laughs> and if you enable that, then when you highlight some text, then you go to the services menu. You will then get a summary as far as, you know, number of words, number of this, number of that. But it's a neat little service. It's just so sad that it's hidden one, two, three, four, five, six, seven layers <laughs> down. And I didn't have it enabled. I don't know about you, Dave. No, I I, I've on had it on. System. I've used it on other machines, but on this one, I have not used it. And uh, and so it, it was not there. But now, now it is. You, well, no. Okay, so you, you, you took the same path and it was not checked, correct? It was not checked, correct. Okay, but now if you highlight a block of text in the finder or something, then you'll get summarized. Yep. Now, what, what's interesting, though, and, and um, is that it, I've used this to shorten things down. And, you know, you, you, you slide that little uh, that slider and you can take a five paragraph article and turn it into a two paragraph or a two sentence article. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. That's good stuff. I, there's, there's something I that can be. My, what's that? I didn't follow my own directions because it's not enabled on my <laughs> podcasting machine. Aha. Well, no, it's yeah. enabled on my, my MacBook Pro. But, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. This one. Let's see services. It should still be there, right? So I said services, text, summarize. Well, anyways, now go, go to the next one. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. continue to fiddle. Yeah, uh, but I it, wanna, it did work. Hold everybody up, but I want to enable it on my uh, podcast machine. Right, right. Cool. Uh, Greg from Los Angeles says, uh, I found an app called iExit. Uh, could very well be useful on trips. And it is. It's an iOS app uh, called iExit Interstate Exit Guide by Metro Rocket. And, uh, and it does just what you would think it does tells you what's coming up. And you know, this is where a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, it shows you where you are and what exits are coming up and what's available on those exits. It, it shows you the name, but also if there's gas or food or lodging or, you know, restrooms or whatever you might need. And uh, very, very handy stuff. This one's 99 cents, which is, uh, which, you know, uh, that's what it should be. But uh, yeah, check it out. I exit. I love stuff like that. That's uh, makes things fun. So I exit. Are you ready to move on, John? Or should I go? I'm going to do the next one because I'm just so I, I'm going to I am so excited about this app that uh, that I just can't wait any longer. This came out just before go my on. vacation. Well, maybe a couple of days, but uh, it's the, it's an app called triage. You may have heard about it. Uh, and this app is it's an email app, but it's not built to replace your mail client. It's it's for your iPhone. Uh, and what it does is it pulls down all your email and you get you can do one of two things, essentially. Well, one of three things uh, you you see the message and you see each message. It shows you all your mail on a stack and you can swipe one direction to archive the message if you've seen it and you've that's enough and you don't need to see it ever again and it archives it and puts it in your archive folder and in the settings you can set what that actually means what folder that should be or you can swipe it to keep it and uh and and then it keeps it in your inbox 
uh, for when you next actually check your mail, keeps it unread so that you see it is unread. But this allows you to do exactly what the, the title of the app says. You can triage your mail. And it was so awesome to use while I was traveling because if I had even like 15 seconds, I could go through, you know, probably more than 15 emails in 15 seconds, just very quickly. Uh, I, I don't need this. Okay. Got that information. I'll keep this for later. Keep that. And, and then in addition to those two things, you can actually reply or forward right from within the app. It's not the greatest email uh, editing uh, engine, but you can quickly reply. And, you know, if there's a quick little reply you need to do but man for, for traveling, really it's the best email app I've ever used on my iPhone because it's so perfect for a device of this size. It's just, you're just deciding what to do. And then when you get back to your Mac or, you know, wherever you want to be, when you've got a little more time, you just go through it and, uh, and it's triage. That's what it does. It's, uh, and I, it's triage.cc. I think I paid two bucks for it. Uh, Honestly, I would pay 20 and, uh, and happily. So it's, it's, it, it's fantastic. And it, it allowed me to stay totally on top of my email the whole time I was traveling without it consuming me. So I highly recommend it. It's awesome. Did you, did you try it out, John? No. Okay. All right. And uh, I will say that it's uh, some people in the chat room are talking about another app that's similar to triage, but, but different in purpose called mailbox mailbox requires you to do some funky things <laughs> with, with your email. They account. made you wait in line. Was it, were these the people that made you wait? In yeah. Line, yeah. Mailbox were the ones that made you wait in line. That's right. right. What, what I didn't use I it. I want to, I want to smack somebody in the marketing department. Well, like, I, why do they, I have to wait in a queue to get, because they didn't want their servers to be overloaded. It, they, they're actually storing your email on their server and managing things. So they, they needed to grow. They needed to control their growth. I get why. Manager growth. Okay. Yeah, manager but, but growth. It, yeah, yeah. To me, it, it leaned a bit towards the let's make this sound kind of exclusive. Totally. Yeah. Threat. Yeah, totally. I'm sure the marketing people thought of this, but yeah. to me, it was kind of like, what? The, no, I, I can understand managing, measuring and managing growth. And as people in the chat room pointed out, now yep. you don't have to wait. It's yeah, but to me, it was kind now. of ridiculous when, when people had to, I mean, it was like a status symbol. Oh boy, I'm number 50,000 in line. Right. Yay. Yeah. I, I, I did it. I got in line. And then when they gave me mine, uh, I realized it meant that I had to leave my all mail label on for my Gmail accounts in order for mailbox to Ooh, work. We've and talked about that. That's bad. It's so bad that I didn't even, I didn't even want to use the app. It's like, Nope, it's not worth it to me. That's going to, you know, cause duplicate emails to appear on my Macs, and I'm totally not interested. So, um, so I, I couldn't even tell you how the app works. So yep. anyway, that's uh, what, or where is next? Uh, I think you got something from cat next, John. Cat. Right, Cat. Hold on. Oh, as far as something have to do with eggs. Eggs. All right. Hold on. I'm All right. In, I'm in. I have too many windows up here. Well, of course you do. Get. Well, no, I told you there's actually a. I don't know. I'll open it up here. But uh, when I open up PDFs here, so so basically my my, uh, my show process is as follows: is we have our folder shared on the transport and then i highlight a whole bunch of pdfs and then i right click and i say open and i don't know why maybe it's the version of preview on the uh, lion 
but it opens it up in two separate windows. So I'm never sure where an email from a listener is. I have to go into both windows and type in their name or something uh, unique to find it. And I don't know why this is, Dave. It just baffles me. But anyway, so what Kat said here, as you may already know, typing about colon in the address bar, a Firefox or any other Mozilla browser will provide some additional information about the browser. Some other about colon uh, items have been discovered and shared like about plugins and about <laughs> this is the funniest I think about Mozilla wondering how many about screens there are I tried about about this will show most if not all of the about screens that can be accessed so this is what's known as an Easter egg it's something hidden it has no useful purpose but it's fun and interesting it's like if you do about colon Mozilla in Firefox you will get it reading from the book of Mozilla, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I don't know if you've tried this uh, as of late, Dave, but uh, we love Easter eggs. And they're hidden all the time. So Easter eggs, yeah, again, are features in software that have no useful purpose, but they're made to make you chuckle or to offer tribute to a uh, coworker or colleague or group or whatever. And uh, you try to sneak it past the quality control people. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, OS 10 has has long or I should say the Mac has has there was always a history of Easter eggs. Now, Apple uh, abolished most of those um, as they as a software person, I should say they probably should, because the introduction of any right unnecessary code increases the chance that you will introduce a bug that will have potentially devastating effects. So I can understand why the quality control people would not like the developers to include Easter eggs saying, hi, mom, hi, dad, and stuff like that, because who knows what other problems it will cause. Right. Yeah. Rarely are Easter eggs introduced and then regression tested. So yeah, it may, makes good sense. However, because Apple uses, uh, I believe, what is it? It's some flavor of either OpenBSD or FreeBSD or something uh, as its core of OS 10. It inherits some of what might be considered to be Easter eggs in in that. And ten, they, they tend not to, to wipe these out. And one of my favorite ones is mm -hmm. the Unix calendars. Now, we've talked about these before, but um, but the Lord of the Rings uh, timeline calendar is stored in uh, in BSD and therefore stored on your Mac. And I put a little article at TMO. I don't know. What was it back in November when uh, when I stumbled onto this? But we'll put that link in the show notes. But really, you just you're just catting there. You're, uh, you're listing the contents of a file um, that's in slash user slash share slash calendar slash calendar dot L O T R. And there's other ones there. There's like calendar dot music. That's got some awesome dates for uh, for us music geeks. And uh, and all kinds of other stuff. So uh, so, you know, check that out. Slash USR. I said user, but in Unix parlance, I, I think that would that was acceptable. So, all right. And yeah. I tossed one out here that I found in the past, Dave, and it's actually an Easter egg within another program. Uh, if you see my link in our chat room here, but talk to Eliza. Uh, oh, yeah. Those old school. Uh, computer people here will know Eliza was a very basic attempt at a psychotherapy program. Yeah. Uh, and it was included with a lot of operating systems and actually it's included uh, maybe not with the current version, but uh, uh, OS 10 includes a version of Emacs, which is a very 
popular and I think the best it's there. text editor. It's there on the current version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also if you have a version, uh, because somebody told me the future versions excluded this, but the Emacs editor actually has an Easter egg that lets you interact with Eliza, which is a thing where you say, you know, well, again, it's a, a psychotherapy uh, on the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, all right. What is next? Well, I'm going to I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but but you'll do. Uh, We've Trevor. already jumped. I know you, you huh? will get back on track after this one, but uh, to Trevor after this. But uh, mm -hmm. I found something right before I left on vacation that totally blew me away. It's called draft code from free ride coding, and it is a PHP development environment to use on your iPad. And it includes a PHP uh, interpreter so you can edit PHP code and test it and run it right there inside your iPad all in one. And it's like 10 bucks. Uh, so nine bucks. So to step back, PHP is a scripting language. Um, PHP is, is a safe to say real or is a, a language built to do real time. um uh, I mean, it's it's a language to build web apps is really, I think, what it was built for. And that's that's typically that's that's its typical use these days. I mean, you can do other things. You can treat it like a scripting language um, for, you know, for 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 that sort of thing. But but really, okay. it's it's built to uh, be an interpreted language for for web apps. So you don't so TMO definitely it. uses PHP scripts. We have the, like. all, all of. <laughs> yeah, even I mean, right now we use Expression Engine, which is built uh, in PHP uh, on the Code Igniter framework. But even before we used a third party uh, content management system, the one I wrote for us initially was also PHP. And and you just code and then this stuff works on the web. I mean, you need to have a PHP built into Apache, uh, but that's kind of, uh, you know, almost every Apache install has that now. So it's it's sort of how it works. But yeah, yeah, it, this is cool stuff to be able to do this right on your iPad and have it work. It's it sort of blows me away. OK, so, so an, a PHP interpreter for your iDevice. Well, it's yeah, it's a development. It, it, it's really the right or way to say it. Okay. It's a it's an IDE, it. right? It's a it's a development environment on your iPad to develop test and, and build uh, okay. PHP. Yeah. All right. IDE being integrated development environment, kind like, of like Xcode. Yeah. Apple yeah. developer type people. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It blows me away that this stuff is possible on the iPad. Of course it is. I mean, the iPad is faster than, you know, my, certainly my first Mac and probably even my Mac mm -hmm. as of like four years ago. So, it's good stuff. All right. What's next? Trevor. Go. Right? You yeah. told me, Trevor. I did. Yeah, you're walking away, but you're coming back. No, no, no. So. I was here. I just had my mic. So my, I got here from, from Trevor. I think I have the right Trevor thing. Hi, guys. Is that the right one? <laughs> yes, sure. Hi, guys. Just wanted to share something I sort of discovered that may already be common knowledge, but I just recently... Uh, discovered okay <laughs> under mountain line at least that's what i'm running when a file is open in quick look in the top right from right to left there is a full screen icon the mountain line send to arrow which lets you do things like email and message the files you're looking at and then with the open with name of default application frustration with prioritization of apps inside or if you right click on that button 
lists identical to that which is shown when right clicking and choose. Uh, okay, I kind of messed that up. All right, what's happening here? <laughs> so, um, what he's pointing out is that similar to OS 10, where you right click on an application or, or a document, and you are then given a list of applications, one preferred and then others optional, you can do the same thing in this dialog in the quick look dialog but you have to hold down i guess what he's saying is let me find here uh, is it control if you right click i'm sorry so if you right click on the button in the quick look window you will get a similar list of applications because sometimes the mac os or quick look doesn't pick the right app to open the type of document you're looking at that's cool. And I verified it, at least on uh, my MacBook Pro. Cool. Good. That's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you know this, Dave? I'm actually, a uh, tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to apologize for tangent. We don't apologize for <laughs> tangents here. So I've noticed this. Uh, you've been using Parallels, yes? Parallels 6, I think, is our latest. Uh, no, I've been using, I think, Parallels 7, right? Ooh, or 7. I'm sorry. Uh, right? Isn't that what we're at? I, no, Parallels 8. Parallels 8. That's what I'm using. Or 8. I'm yeah. sorry. I knew it was even. Okay, right. 8. Right. The thing is, I'm pretty sure I'm running it out of my MacBook Pro. And the thing is, when I right-click on some documents, Dave, I see now that it will recommend Windows applications to open yep. the document. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I really like that. I'm sure there's somewhere in Parallels I can disable you that. You can, bit. yeah. The thing is, I've more than once accidentally clicked on the Windows <laughs> recommended app for like mo mostly like movie media files. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. We're going to have to wait. To and, and I can certainly quit parallels, but it's a uh, how do I get rid of them? I, I, again, I think it's maybe in the parallels app. I can say, please don't add things to the open with menu. You think? Uh, yes, you can. No, you can. Because I, I was messing around with it when I was doing that whole thing with my car. And because you found it annoying, too. Yeah. 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 I don't need that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. OK. It's a nice option, though. I mean, hey, if you have a media file that can only be open in Windows. Sure. But uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That whole open with menu is uh, kind of mysterious. It yeah, it'd be nice to be able to really manage that. And I know there's some things you can do, but things just then magically kind of reappear there. So yeah, it's <laughs> not good. And multiple times, sometimes in which case I think Onyx has a uh, cure for that, right? Yeah, but but it, it'll rebuild. You know, it it comes back. There's you can't like put up a, a gatekeeper on that. You know, Apple builds <laughs> these sandboxes. I want to sandbox that. Don't sandbox my apps that I've like intentionally installed, but sandbox that. So I have to control it and I get like finely tuned stuff. I want to really control that. Why can't I do that? Maybe, you know, maybe when when uh, Tim Cook is finally let go by the board and they bring Scott Forstall back and we all moan and groan, maybe Whoa. he'll finally do that and then we'll like him. That is my prediction, by the way. I know Aren't we don't. You're going to have a. Uh, you got to have a cup of coffee with Tim first. We, yeah, right. Um, we um, <laughs> we don't we don't typically get into the news and predictions and all that stuff here. But I I you know I I hated Scott Forstall for what he did. Um, you know he got a lot of power because he did well with iOS, and then of course he ran rampant all over OS 10 and and sort of ruined things. And people at Apple uh, hated him for it, and and then he left. But uh, but I, I actually firmly believe that that he uh, that 
it would probably be best for Apple if in about four to seven years, uh, Scott Forstall came back to Apple as CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, you know, a little more worldwide, uh, but but still, you know, Apple needs a CEO that's got uh, that that's got some hubris, and uh, and it doesn't you know doesn't work with uh, with old Cook there. But wow. uh, but anyway, that's you know, like I said, that, that veers off our our stated mission. But you know, whatever. All I know is I was happy when the stock was at seven hundred. Now that it's at four hundred, I'm not as happy. Of course, I'm happier than when it was at. 30 <laughs> when I bought it. Right. So, right. So I'm still pretty good, but still it's like, ah, uh, and you know, actually I got to say, Dave, it's a fish shake at the analyst community. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree or disagree. I, I, that's my take is the, the, the analysts who, who claim to follow Apple. And again, we're going to get to the news thing. We shouldn't, but we will. But the analysts, I don't think, I don't know where they get their numbers or their predictions because to me, Apple is firing on all cylinders. They're generating tons of cash. Okay. Yes. Sales of some products have slipped a bit, but still they have no debt. They got a pile of cash. They're paying it out in dividends. They're buying They're doing great. Who, who are these analyst people? I, I, I don't know what qualifies you to make these predictions, especially <laughs> that Apple is typically still close mouth about what, what's happening internally. Uh, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, the stock price is about predicted future value, right? And so you used an analyst track In record theory. No, no, that's no. One no. factor that affects stock price. Well, that's what it should be. I mean, that's what a stock. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, there's other things. I get this, you know, I'm not naive to the ways of the world, but that yeah, on paper, that's what the stock price should be is, is predicted future value. But anyway, all right. Um, so we're going to have to jump around here because there's no way we're going to get through this. But I'm going to talk what? about one thing <laughs> that's uh, that's my don't jump. Yo, I'm jumping. Uh, one of my one of my favorite <laughs> things here is uh, is called the charge doctor. And it's from digital innovations. Uh, the people that and they make all kinds of cool stuff. But uh, but the charge doctor is really cool and it's out now. I have one of these. So uh, I saw it at CES. You could have seen it at CES. I think Uh, it wasn't hidden or private. I don't think. But uh, but now I have one. And uh, and this charge doctor, what it does is it's it looks like a little USB path pass through device. Uh, And it is a little USB pass through device. But when you plug your iPad into your Mac, it only uh, trickle charges the thing and you'll see when it's open you'll see you know when your ipad's on it says not charging in the upper right hand corner and that's because it's only providing like one amp of power and the ipad uh wants two or will take two and and will charge faster well the charge doctor tells your mac go ahead and give me two and then passes that through to your ipad uh, but it's it's intelligent. So if you plug an iPhone into this thing, it'll only pull as much as the device actually can use. So it's not going to you know overload things or anything like that. Obviously, it will draw more of your Mac's power, but especially if it's a desktop Mac, who cares? So for 30 bucks, you can turn your Mac into a true um, iPad charging station and uh, and it works flawlessly. I've, I've used it on USB hubs. I've used it direct connected to a Mac and uh, and it's great. So, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's 29 99, but, uh, it's the charge doctor. Uh, so that's, there you go, John. Hmm. Next. No, Bradley? It, what? Uh, you, you can do whoever you want. 
Uh, well, that was the next in the queue. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. To go to my, my multiple. You know what? Do, uh, do Michael. Cause he's sitting in the chat room and he's got a good one that, uh, will bring up some, some good, uh, some good stuff here. Wait. Yeah. He's in the room, but did he write in an email? He did. Yeah. It's, he's Help the me. one with the, uh, about the battery. Ah, excellent. Okay. Yeah. I'm on the same page. <laughs> good. Sometimes I see it as magic. So <laughs> from Michael, <laughs> he sent in a link here, which is a mono price item. And we'll put it in our room here. But basically, do you need a rechargeable battery? Do you need one with a lot of capacity? Well, I think Michael found something that looks pretty darn cool. It looks about the size of an iPhone. It's a five, step back, okay, 5,000 milliamp hour battery. That's crazy, man, because that's, well, actually, I'd say, Dave, uh, we were just talking about iPad. That's probably about the capacity of uh, your your iPad. Right? No, my iPad's like 12,000. Oh, okay. So, but definitely more than an iPhone. iPhones, I think, are typically around 2,000 or so. Yeah, right? yeah, 2,400 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So basically, he recommends here uh, uh, Monoprice. Uh, so he says, this is like so many other rechargeable batteries. 5,000 milliamp hours, which isn't the highest, but it's small and easy to carry. What separates it from the rest is that it's from Monoprice. So it's cheap, or as I like to say, inexpensive. That's right. <laughs> Uh, and it can be charged via USB. This means that you can change it practically anywhere or charge it practically anywhere. You could, in theory, daisy chain a few of them and charge them all at once. That's a wow. crazy talk. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Based on what I see here. So again, it's a iPhone-sized rechargeable battery, 5,000 milliamp hours. That's cool. Uh, 21, favorite, 21.71 is the price. $21.71 yeah. for this. Uh-huh. Because mine that I got a while ago, and I think they still offer them in different versions, what's the Richard Solo 1800? Yeah, but that's like way a, expensive. It's like 50 well, bucks. Yeah. It's Compared like 50 this, bucks sure. for, for 1800. Well, Dave, Dave, the Richard Solo 1800, I got to say, in its defense, it does offer two cool additional features. One, a LED flashlight, but two, a freaking laser. That's right. <laughs> Yes. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Having a red laser, I don't, I don't know, makes it kind of worthwhile. But yeah, no, but I, I bought a bunch of them and actually they closed them out and I think they reintroduced the newer version, but they were like, yeah, no, for 20 bucks, actually, this is, uh, assuming it doesn't, you know, uh, burst into flames, yeah. is a better value. <laughs> I've, I've, ha- I've got a couple of these things um, uh, the, of the monoprice batteries and they, they're awesome. Really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, but they also they now have a nine thousand uh, milliamp hour battery 9, at mono. 000. Yep, at mono price for thirty thirty eight dollars and ninety two cents for for that one. So I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah, it's good stuff there. Um, you know, this kind of stuff from mono price has worked out really well for me. Um, and I guess say, Dave, when when we had our uh, hurricane uh, action here, yeah. One of the saving graces is that I had, I bought some of these extra, you know, it doesn't matter who I don't think, but I bought like four of these richer solos and I had them in like reserve and I charged them all up when I heard the hurricane was coming. Yeah. And that was my primary computing environment for that point in time was my iPhone with rechargeable batteries. There you go. Yeah. And I can say any device that I own, Dave, whether it be my MacBook or my iPhone. 
or whatever I'm carrying with me, even my digital camera, I always have more than one battery because that's just crazy. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Uh, somebody in the chat room, sometimes somebody in the chat room, put one in, it's got two USB ports. It's a Hmm. 10,400 milliamp hour battery. And the price is 60 bucks. So that, that works for me. I can, I can deal with that. Um, the, uh, I'll put that link in the show notes too. It's from jackeryusa.com. Hmm. So, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. A 400 milliamp hour battery. I, I tried another one too. They sent me, somebody sent me this thing. It's like, it's called the power bar. I think it's like a 9,600 milliamp hour battery. It's nice, but they want 130 bucks for it. And I asked him, I said, what's the difference between that and this other one from Monoprice with 600 milliamp hours less, that's $38. And they stopped talking to me. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it's got two USB ports. The, uh, this Jackery one. So, good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I like a good price. Yeah. All right. Um, we had somebody right into the show and, and, and you were the first person to ever ask this in almost eight years. Uh, requesting that we put background noise in the show, which I, which seems really backwards to me. I mean, we, thanks John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, we've worked actually really hard to get background noise out, but her point was, you know, we've keep it so quiet in the background that when there is a pause, she doesn't know if her iPod stopped playing or not. And she said, so if you could put some background noise in comfort noise is, you know, the term that uh, that is used in the industry for that, it'd be much better. And I said, well, you know, we, we're not going to do that. Don't worry, folks. We're not going to add that in. But if you want it, there are solutions. And of course, we are all about solutions here. And I found a website. Really? Yeah. I found a website called uh, Coffivity, C-O-F-F-I-T-I-V-I-T-Y. No, it, it makes, it, it's actually. It injects background noise. It's built for this. It, it plays this wow. loop. It's like a 30 minute loop or something of uh, essentially being in a coffee shop. And it's uh, the website itself has like a little volume slider and you can, you know, manage that on your own. So you could set this to be wherever you want as your kind of baseline noise and then uh, let the podcast play over it. And then it would be like listening to John and I chat. Well, we're all having coffee together. So, uh, so coffeevity is the, uh, is, the, is the website for that. And they, they do say now the website wasn't built because of podcasts. It was built, um, because, uh, somebody did a study and said, you do better with background noise. Uh, or, you know, you, most people create better without silence. And, uh, and so they said, this is, you know, here's the, here, here's an answer to that. And, uh, and so there you go. Coffivity. Hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, but don't worry. That's all. That's, that's yeah. your choice. We're not going to add it in for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Personally, Dave, I have enough background noise in my life. I don't need more. Right. But if you know, I, I do find for <laughs> me, like if I'm, if I'm programming or if I'm answering Mac geek email or doing stuff where it's just me and I'm not interacting with other people, um, I do like some background noise. Now for, for me, I usually choose music. Ah. Um, wasn't that I, what NPR or, or, you know, something else is for, <laughs> mm-hmm. you could listen to that, to us. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, I found NPR is good background noise. There you go. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Or the TV. Come on. What happened to the, you know, come on. Didn't you, 
as a kid working on the homework, have the TV blaring in the background? No, just I, I never did really? homework with the TV. Mm. No, I, but that mm. that I I mean I know I was I was you know in the minority I think there, but no I didn't. I, I perhaps I should have, but uh, but I didn't. So. Yeah, but that point has passed. That yeah that that ship sailed. And so <laughs> that's what that being said. You have anything oh. else, John? Do we have? Uh, I mean, we've got you know we've got all kinds I of got, stuff out here. You got Dave, one got more a- maybe. Uh, maybe two we're at an hour 11 so you know i know let me look at the list here so what do we got coming up for me potentially well you just pick them i don't like that one i don't like that one good i don't like that one doesn't matter i do like oh you know what i do like david all right all right so let's get david up here so i see david it has an equals so that's good yeah go it's not well you know slow down there slick I'm not supposed to slow down. <laughs> That's not you. <laughs> That's not All me. Right. That's right. Here we go. David. David has some good stuff here. And then I threw in my own good stuff, or I thought was good stuff. Hi, John and Dave. Again, it's the right order. It's just the natural order of things, Dave. I, I don't know how this comes up. <laughs> Found this website. Uh, HTTP colon slash slash Apple serial number info.com. I think that's all you need. I certainly hope so. But if you go to the site and you put in your serial number, amazingly, I don't know how they found this out. It lists all the information about your machine. When, when production was begun, when it was ended, all the features. Um, I did find a slight hiccup because I typed in the serial number of my MacBook pro Dave. And the only thing I noticed that was not correct is that it listed my machine as a matte versus a glossy screen. And mine is a glossy screen because that is the superior screen choice. Right? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> sure. So <laughs> I was trying to create some controversy, but you're, you're too good for that. And basically so it takes the Apple serial number and produces a report based on the product. Very useful. I use it to find the battery that I needed for my MacBook Pro. So that's cool. I would say that uh, that site, in addition to Mac Tracker, that is my favorite for getting info because it's very accurate, uh, especially with info that Apple provides versus the truth. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <And> Apple lies. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know if they lie, but they, they withhold the truth. It's like, yeah, you can only like my machine, Dave, you, you know this. And I think you had the same class of machine. They're like, yeah, I can only take four gigs of RAM. And it's like, well, no, it can really take six. So why don't you say this? Right. Right. So things like this are good. Now, the other thing I want to point out here is, Dave, I don't know if you've used this in a while, but if you haven't used this. So if you own Apple products and they ask you to register them, please do so. Because if you do so, you get a big bonus in that you get your product listed on this site called supportprofile.apple.com. And it lists when your product was registered. If you're still in warranty, there's even a magic button where I use this once where you click on it and Apple, if you're in warranty, will call you to help set up an appointment or or a mail back for, uh, for, for servicing your product. It's between these two sites, I, I would say, well, between these three things. So one, Apple serial number info looks very good, looks to be ad supported. That's cool. I guess. Number two, Mac Tracker. And then number three, support profile at Apple.com, which is a list of things that you have registered with Apple. I would say between those three, Dave, 
that's everything you can know about your computer. There you go. Warranty status and how to fix it. And, and yeah, good stuff. Thank you. All right. I got two to do real quick here. Uh, One is findmycarsmarter.com. Adam sent this in. It's a, uh, it's a thing that you plug into your cigarette lighter, uh, you know, power outlet in your car. And it, Really? Communicates oh, Bluetooth. I can almost see this. This is so cool. It Go. communicates Bluetooth with your iPhone. And so when it disconnects from your iPhone, your iPhone remembers the last place that it was when it talked to this device. And then it remembers where your car is automatically without you having to do anything. Remembers where your car is in, you know, big parking lots and, and things like that. So uh, that that is cool. That's findmycarsmarter.com. Uh it's just, you know, one it, it, like we, you know, trying to bring it full circle here. That's that's sort of like we were talking about at the beginning. Just these things that take all this technology that we have and use them in creative ways. So uh, so that's Bluetooth number is Bluetooth is odd because I've been doing some Bluetooth work as of late and it's really underutilized, I think. Yeah. For the most part, it's used for, you know, your earpiece and, and appearing to be the Borg when you're in public and stuff. But other than that. Well, it's Bluetooth, great. I, it's I great in the car for audio. Bluetooth audio in the car. Okay, is especially killer. you because you like to. Yeah, yeah. Because you like to talk in the car, and, and I would no, say no, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about for music. Uh, Bluetooth oh. audio is oh, fantastic. Music. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so for audio streaming and headsets, I'd say Bluetooth is is the cat's meow. But mm-hmm. for other things, it really hasn't gotten yeah. the exposure. I think it should. Yeah. And then lastly, but but uh, certainly not leastly, is a, a I'll call it a gadget uh, stuff that I got before just before I left. And it's um, you've probably heard of Scotty Vest, John. Uh, I got one of their new Tropiformer jackets. Uh, this is, so Scotty Vest started um, with the original Scotty Vest and it's all the, the same stuff. Uh, the idea is these jackets and this is a this is the Tropiformer is a. It's an actual it's a jacket um, that can turn into a vest with some really cleverly built magnets. So you're not buttoning and driving yourself crazy when you take the sleeves on and off. But really what it the coolest part is all the different purpose built pockets that it has in it for holding all of your devices. Your iPhone it has got a pocket for your iPhone that has a, uh, a clear sleeve over it and it's built inside the pocket that you would put your hand your left hand in so you can actually grab the iphone with your left hand inside your pocket and see it without having to take your iphone or your hand out of your pocket it's it's cool and then on the right side there's a a sleeve that fits a full-size ipad and you don't see that you've got an ipad in your coat it's it's the most amazing thing and it's a lightweight jacket kind of like windbreaker ish um it's got spots for cameras and sunglasses and you can snake your earphones up through it so that you can plug them into your iPhone, which is in the special pocket and, uh, and then plug them into your ears. Obviously uh, it's a very, very cool thing. It's got a hood. And like I said, it's got the sleeves can just pop right off, but with the way it does it with magnets, they come on and off. It's, it's brilliantly built. So, uh, so that's the, uh, the Tropiformer from, uh, from Scotty vest. So, uh, so we'll put that in the show notes too. It's, it's cool. I know it sounds geeky and crazy and, it is. That's that's why mm-hmm. you know who's Scotty. Uh, he Scott is the uh, is the um, the CEO, the founder. Okay, yeah. I thought it was maybe a nod to uh... no Scotty. No. Well, it no. could be. Okay. So 
Yeah, yeah. I'll, okay. put the, I'll put the link in the show notes, or, or one of us will. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's the Scotty Vest Tropiformer. So cool stuff found, and I believe John, that will uh, that will wrap us up here for today. Probably run a little Band? longer than we usually do. But you know that's how it works. You can hear the oh, band. Oh, right tangents. Now. What's that? I hear the band. Good. And the band hears me. Hello, band. <laughs> I don't think they can talk to you. That would require they time could, travel. But they're yeah. rather. <laughs> well, they're playing for me. That's right. That's what's going and just on. Just me. And ju- of course, <laughs> just you. And 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 you, right there, dear yeah. listener. And to deviate because it's not only about me, Dave. It's about you and the listeners and how can they get in touch with us and i'm going to offer you a suggestion is that if you want to get in touch with us you should send an email to feedback at mackiecap.com feedback at mackiecap.com is the address to send email pictures screenshots videos whatever questions tips cool stuff found we will be back to a question show next week of course right and in case you didn't hear dave you can send cookies too, but it's feedback at MackieCap.com. That's right. Someone asked, well, we have a special address because we do have something, Dave, called premium, which is, um, well, it's premium. It's, it's better. And uh, it's an email address, a special priority email address where you get extra special attention. I don't know how I'll put it, but anyways, premium at MackieCap.com. And what about premium, Dave? What's going on with that? Uh, the yeah, the uh, premium stuff is being sourced. We're uh, we told you we're having uh, it, we're we're figuring this out for the first time, and we want to make sure we do it right. But but I think by the end of this week, we should be squared away, and and shipments should be. We should have an ETA on on that. But it you know it's coming soon. It's uh, like I said, first time through. We want to make sure we do it right for you, for us. We want to be able to repeat this, and so it just takes some uh, some perfection of the process. So. And I'm sure we'll iterate on the process for future ones, too. But, you know, this first one's important to us. But it's if you'd like to support the show in a monetary That's fashion. right. Yeah. That's, That's premium. Right. That's right. 206-66-GEEK is the number all of you can call. And Geek John is? Did you cut that short? I thought you just said 66-GEEK. 206-666-GEEK. Oh, I think I heard you. And, and in my mind, that's 4335. And I may have cut it short. The tape will tell. Uh, you can Skype us to MacGeekGab. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, MacGeekGab is the show. John F. Braun is him. Dave Hamilton is me. Pilot Pete is the guy that uh, that is in Hawaii right now and flying back. So uh, so he can't. Uh, he couldn't join us. Although I think he was in the chat room. I know he was in the chat room. Hi, Pete. And of yeah. course, Mac Observer uh, for all of uh, for all the headlines from TMO. I hope he wasn't flying in the chat room because that would probably be violating FAA regulations. Uh, probably sure so. Do. And I don't think he, he is. I think he's on the ground. No. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. He's a... Uh, uh, Facebook.com slash to You can like us there. We would certainly appreciate that. We do have uh, little conversations that spark up that you folks spark up over there. It's also where we post the events for this. MacGeekUp.com slash stream event that we do every Sunday. And I believe we're back here next Sunday. I think we're at the 5 p.m. Eastern time on Cinco de Mayo, which happens on May 5th this year. <laughs> Does that have something to do with Mexico? Sort of. 
Uh, it's sort of a holiday. I Independence think that we Day created. or something. Or, no, oh, it's yeah, we yeah. we created it. I think. Uh, right. We make. They don't bit, celebrate it, but uh, we do. We didn't. Right. <laughs> exactly. We didn't create it, but we they make we make a much bigger deal about it than they do. So. Uh, and that does it. All right. We want to thank Michael Johnston uh, from both the We Have Communicators podcast and GetAppler.com. I do want to get Michael on the show to talk about that. So maybe we'll do that real soon now. And uh, and Cashfly, of course, with the um, with all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Uh, the podcast marketplace has BB Edit from Bare Bones, of course, PDF Pen and Text Expander from Smile, Gazelle.com to sell all your stuff, Squarespace to host your site, MGG4 is the code there, and of course, Transporter. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. John, one last bit of advice. We've given lots of cool stuff found, but uh, perhaps something lasting. Lasting? Lasting. Oh, it's eternal, but you must remember, do not get caught.